listening to the Nerdology Podcast. This is a weekly podcast where I, Jack Colgrave, lover of music, of Mickey Mouse, of other mouses, like computer mouses, I'm really not doing good today, uh, talk with my friend, Hector, about all things music, film, and TV related. Hector, how you doing today? Pretty good, bro. I think you're ready for the weekend too, huh? Oh yeah. <laughs> you can just tell by that intro. I, I couldn't. I couldn't. My creative side is just completely off today. You know, I, I think you'll get back on track once we talk about this dark night. Ooh. So. Ooh. Yes. Yes. So, just a little bit of recap from last week when we well, I can't say last week because we're pretty much going to upload all three episodes at once. So. Yeah. If last you heard week episodes. Yeah. Exactly. So if you're at episode six, you're pretty much caught up in what we're doing um, with last episode, this current episode we're on now, and then the season finale. We're talking about the Dark Knight trilogy. Beautiful, well-done, orchestrated trilogy by Christopher Masterful, Nolan. Masterful, yeah. Oh, yes. So last week was Batman Begins, and today's topic is about the Dark Knight with the, not infamous, but the famous Heath Ledger's Joker. The one and only Joker. This yes, is, sir. This is, I mean, this is the Joker that I think up until this performance, I imagine that everyone was comparing uh, Jack, like everyone was comparing Joker performances to probably Mark Hamill because he is he is most likely the most infamous Joker, right? Absolutely. I, I think he's probably like him and Kevin Conroy. They are the Batman and Joker. Like if I'm reading a comic, all I hear is their voices. <laughs> but I'm, but now, you even play the video games you hear those voices all the time it's just yeah. so it's a it's great like it's great makes you shake man yeah and amazing I think it's i think now everybody compares every joker to heath ledger because just that's how great he was i mean yeah it's a shame that he had to go honestly but thank thank just imagine if he was still alive if he had a, an appearance there, there would be no Ben Affleck Batman, like, or or Jared Leto Joker. Like, they would have made two more movies with them, and nothing, nothing at all. Like that, no one would have dared gone near it. Not even Walking Phoenix. <laughs> That's very true, definitely. So, as discussed already, um, with last episode, what we did, breaking it down, we're going to be breaking it down, um, this project here too as well. So. You want to start off, Jack? You, you're pretty good at leading off. Yeah, I mean, uh, let's set the stage here a bit. So this movie, um, this movie came out July 18th, 2008. So that's pretty standard for most uh, superhero flicks. This was, um, this was Nolan's second film, and I don't think at all when Christopher Nolan came in to make Batman Begins, I don't think he intended it to be a trilogy. He he didn't, but the the first one just made so much bank. That WB's like, hey man, you're making us a lot of moolah. I need you to come back, <laughs> and and they did. And Christopher Nolan and his team did, and they were gonna they were gonna do their take on the Joker. And there hasn't been up to this point a lot of good, you know, live action Jokers. And so of course they're like, who are they gonna get to play such an iconic character and pivotal person for Batman? And what's he gonna be like in Batman's universe? And yeah. we were like, everyone, the world, the universe, the Lord himself was holding his breath, waiting to see for the <laughs> casting call who they got for the Joker. And I'm pretty sure the internet went nuts when Christopher Nolan announced that Heath Ledger is going to be playing the Joker. Broke back mountain, like, the, like you know, pretty boy Heath Ledger was doing his take on the Joker. Like, what? How is that going to work? Like, I, that, like... It makes no sense. Yeah. And I think, like, yeah, leading up to that, like, you know, people were, I think, up in arms about it. From what I've read and stuff, like, people were not happy that he was, you know, that he was Batman. Or, sorry, Joker. Mm -hmm. um, but then the first trailer came out, and I think he shut pretty much everyone up. This movie had a lot of hype going around it from the trailer, and this movie delivered on every front. Oh, dude, it... It not only delivered, but it hit, it hit that ball out of the park in the first swing. It yeah, it was so good. I'm gonna try and I'm gonna try and find the budget for this film compared to its uh, domestic earnings. Oh, uh, let's see. 
uh, budget and box office. Okay, so it had a budget of one hundred and eighty-five million dollars. Oh wow! Which is pretty. That's well. That's pretty like for that time for like superhero movies coming up. Then that's pretty standard, mm-hmm. I'd say. And it made it doubled that it or not doubled that I should say, but it made uh, one point. It made just over a billion dollars in the box Jeez office. Louise. So, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's counting international as well. That's that, which is that's great, man. Like that's that's awesome compared to uh, let's look at Batman Begins. I think that one was definitely uh, Batman Begins Budget and Box Office. Uh, that movie was, yeah, so it had a smaller budget. This one was $150 million, and it made $373.6 million. And even... So not as good, but that's that's still a great well, margin, I mean, even, right? Even like Kasunik, it's, it's the first movie. It's a starting movie, so that delivered for a starting movie. Yeah. And I think that's really all a studio wants is they want to make back their money and then they sure did. So, yeah. Um, But let's get into the movie. Like, let's let's talk about it. I mean, Uh, where where to begin? Like, this is harder than Batman Begins, right? Because it's like this movie, like it just starts off strong and does like it puts its foot on the gas pedal and then screws its own foot into the gas pedal and just doesn't let off like the from the opening like uh let, let's make mention here that han zimmer is in charge of the soundtrack for you know basically yeah. everything and hot damn does this man know how to make soundtracks like like his opening joker theme it's just so eerie and stuff like uh, yeah it's perfect what's so nice about this movie how it starts off it, it keeps the same tone same setting same feel as it were the atmosphere as its preceding movie very dark, very gloomy, more on a serious tone. So, and that that's good because you know, bat, with Batman's character, and we discussed the synopsis of Batman Begins. It's a dark movie. He has a very dark childhood, a dark upbringing for all the stuff that he had to experience as a child, and even growing um, to become the Batman. It kept that same setting and feeling, which is nice. It didn't change the tone at all. Mm-hmm. No, it's. I think it just goes to show that everyone loves Christopher Nolan's, you know, take on the film. Like the studio didn't ask him to, like, you know, dial back down on the realism or anything like that. Like make it more campy or cartoony. They're like, no, everyone loved this approach. Just keep doing your thing, man. Mm-hmm. And so he, yeah, I I'd say he he just. It's it's great when filmmakers come back for sequels. Like I'd say nowadays, it is so hard for people. They make a great first movie. But then they can't top themselves, right? And so, but Christopher Nolan came back and he made everything that made Batman Begins work. He just made it better for the Dark Knight. And it's it's just what's so good. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what 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 character do you want to start with first? Um, as let's far as... Start, go ahead. Let's start with... Let's just start with... Uh, I mean... Let's just start with the main cast. Like, let's start with Batman, and then we'll work our way. Cool. Let, let's work our way. We'll leave the Joker to last because he's <laughs> the best be the for last talking point, right? Yeah, um, yeah. So Batman. This I think, uh, according to what I read, this movie picks up about two years after the events of Batman Begins. Mm. Um, he's been cleaning up uh, the streets of Gotham as Batman, you know, vigilante by night and Bruce Wayne by day. And the opening, his his first, you know, people are actively scared of him, right? Like. You know, it shows the shot of, you know, the bat signal going up in the sky and the criminals that are out on the streets. They're like, oh, no, man, I'm out of here. Yeah. And so, like, he's he's doing he's actually doing his job. Right. Like, you know, the streets of Gotham are getting cleaner. Yeah. Um, And, you know, we have the epic fight scene where he's in the parking garage and stuff. And right away, no one fixes one of my problems with the first movie, which is his fight scenes. Everything is much easier to follow. Um, I can tell what's happening. It's not like six cuts for one punch. Um, and it's, yeah. And Scarecrow's back. He He's back for that opening scene, mm-hmm. right? Which is so cool. Like, props to Killian Murphy for coming back just for a cameo. <laughs> for real. Yeah. And you have, and it's, and it's cool because we get to see um, basically what Batman's influence is like on the city, too. Like, he's inspiring all of a sudden coffee cats that... You know, basically, I'm going to call them Zack Snyderites because they're Batman who use guns yeah. to kill people, which is not Batman. 
Um, and so, you know, you, you have to see him actually fight those Batman as well. And then you get the iconic line once they're all, like, wrapped up right next to Scarecrow. Like, you know, what what makes you different from us? And it's like, I'm not wearing hockey pads. <laughs> <laughs> It's what it's one of the few dry humor that makes it just makes the Dark Knight trilogy work. I love it. Yeah, it's so good. Oh man, it's yeah, and and that's what I like too. Like it doesn't, it's it's almost kind of like funny to see how much Marvel relies on quips yeah. and stuff and humor to make their films work, which is fine. I I don't think that's a bad thing, but at the same time, like. I think like this movie literally it it when it did have humor it mm. really shined and it it was like a highlight whereas like with you know I find with most Marvel movies now it's like there's so many jokes that it's like yeah they're funny but it's no really like memorable and and, parts, and right? that's what makes that's what kind of turns people away from Marvel movies to begin with is just too much humor at times when you're... yeah yeah I'd say like the humor drowns out what's supposed to be the exactly emotional that's moments, what right? I was thinking too you know and it doesn't always work that way. And you know, we'll, we'll we'll discuss more of this uh, film. But the, Just, the Jack Snyder's Justice League, it wasn't as funny as the theatrical release. They took off a lot of the stupid jokes. They took out a lot, took out a lot of the stupid scenes with the jokes because it felt like a Marvel movie. Yeah. Like, am I watching Infinity War? What's going? It, it was. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, it, it's not needed, Dad. And and it made it's the, nice. It made the what? humorous moments shine, right? Like it, it made a perfect. Yeah, like you when know, Barry. Very made, few. Yeah, like when Barry meets Diana, and you know, Diana's like, "Hi," he's he's like, "Hi, Barry, I'm Diana." He's like, and then he says the same thing. He's like, "Hi, Barry, I'm Diana." He's like, oh, that's not right. <laughs> you, you know, oh, sorry, we're going off topic. I love this. We yeah. go off topic. Remember the scene in Justice League? Just real quickly, then we'll end it here. Spoilers, spoilers. It's, oh yeah, sorry. If you haven't seen, it's been almost a month now, so you guys better have seen it already. I swear. Yeah, yeah. But anyways, um, remember how. Cyborg was talking about getting to the satellite to track down the mother box. Yeah. And then um, Bruce says, well, I'll, we'll go to my satellite and back at the back cave. And Barry says, you have a satellite? I have six. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, oh, okay, that makes sense. In this yeah, next scene. it was so good. <laughs> or, you know, or when Barry has to, like, I think Barry was probably, like, you know, he, was the com- he was the comedic relief, like, like, when, you know, he catches the battering and then Bruce starts in, on, or Batman starts in on his spiel, like, I'm putting an alliance together. He's like, I, you see powerful enemies are coming. He's like, stop you right there. I'm in. <laughs> and, you know, Batman's like, he's like, he's at a loss for words from it because he's like, that was definitely easier than I thought. And he's like, yeah, he's like, really? And he's like, yeah, I need friends. And he's Aww. Like, yeah, he's like, oh, great. And then he shakes his hand. And yeah, and like, this this movie's similar in that way. It's got a, the comedic beats when it needs to be there, right? Those lighthearted moments when it's there. But it's definitely more like this movie's more of that dark humor, right? Because you have the Joker. It's that cruel, sick, like, you probably shouldn't be laughing, but it's the Joker, and he knows how to make it funny. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Man, so, yeah, Bruce Wayne, um, he's still portrayed as the same character, obviously, as the preceding film. Mm-hmm. Still still uh, a broken man. I'm still, you know, trying to get this, this role of Batman down. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's by trial and error. Uh, and I like the way that uh, Christian Bale portrayed this character under Christopher Nolan's directing and screenwriting. It was nice. It was nicely told story, and it built Batman to be a bigger beast than he was in the last film, because now oh, yeah. he's not only fighting an enemy that, you know, owns all of Gotham, or hunts like you know your fears. Now he's playing against a guy who manipulates you. He makes you go crazy. Um, not by mm-hmm. toxic, but he just gets in your head, you know, psychological stuff going on here. That's Joker, dude. Yeah. Joker is one of the few yeah. people who actually makes Batman break and snap out of anger, like interrogation scene. Yeah. You know, <laughs> he knows how to he knows how to he knows how to push his buttons. Absolutely. Um Yeah, and it's like you said, like, you know, Batman's a beast in this film because it's like it's almost like um between these two films, it's like he ascended from myth to legend. Yes. Like he is you know he he's doing what he was supposed to do he's putting fear into the you know the criminals on the streets of Gotham. right and yeah and you see him like it's he's adapting to like he gets um you know i it's another thing that bugs me in a lot of new superhero movies too is they get a new suit just just because they could or there's really like it's off screen it doesn't happen but this is kind of one of the first superhero movies where it was like there was a reason for him getting a new suit right 
both practically behind the scenes, um, like, you know, and for in the movie. Like, he wanted to be able to turn his head and have more flexibility so it's easier for him to fight, right? And so he gets a new suit out of that, which is always cool when they include details like that because it feels like you're growing with the character in that aspect. Yeah, that's very, that's very uh, true. Harvey Dent. We, uh, we've seen a, a nice portrayal of Harvey Dent in this film, right? Aaron Aaron Eckhart, yeah. He is the the charismatic, you know, he's the new face of Gotham's push on crime. Like, you know, because in this movie, as Commissioner Gordon said, Batman is still, you know, he's still technically being hunted by the police, even right. though that Gordon's working with him kind of covertly. Mm-hmm. But everyone knows it's like they just say that so they can have plausible deniability, I guess. But, you know, he's the he's the face. He's putting the criminals like while Batman beats them up and gives them to the police. Harvey Dent is the one that makes sure they don't hit the streets. And so he there's a lot of pressure on him in this film. You see that sort of build because he he's the one in charge of making Gotham a safer place. He has more responsibility than Batman in that That's sense. That's very true. Yeah, and then you know Har- Harvey Dent's row in this and Commissioner Gordon's row, Batman's row. Um they all are important pieces to oppose as it were to make this film work and uh, these three actors have chemistry in my opinion, very good chemistry even. Oh yeah. Oh totally. And, um I like the way this article says it here. It not only calls um, District Attorney Harvey Dent a white knight, quote-unquote, but it worded this here. Notice, it says, uh, let's see here, Batman has teamed up with Lieutenant Gordon and Gotham's white knight, District Attorney Harvey Dent, to take down the organized crime in Gotham. And notice, it's a basic crime thriller setup. I like that because, you see, this with Christopher Nolan's Batman movies, they don't feel like your typical superhero movie. It does feel like crime, like you're watching a crime, a drama, like you're watching a more serious film for older teenagers, older adults who can appreciate such content. Little kids probably won't understand half the stuff going on in Christopher Nolan's trilogy. Remember we talked about I the Scarecrow? If we saw Scarecrow were really yeah. smaller or if Rat of Sam Raimi directed <laughs> that movie with Scarecrow, Raimi. would it haunted us to this day probably, you know? Oh yeah, definitely. No, it's he's, yeah. I and that's it's definitely not a movie I'd say for a younger audience because mm. it's definitely like you know, it's it's not like a. I'd say Marvel movies are easier to follow because they're plot driven movies. They're the you know the plot happens to the characters. You know, it's not the characters create the plot, mm-hmm. and it's always harder to follow when it's that style. Um, and it's one of those movies characters create the plot. You know. Um, of course, it has its in, its whole. That's convenient scenarios here and there, but it's yeah. for the most part, it's it's solid all the way through. And Harvey Dent is one of those people. He creates he creates the problem, right? Like as much as Batman's responsible for um, a lot of the a lot of this film, and he takes those you know and the outcomes of that film. Harvey Dent is the same. Like he he took on Gotham's underworld, yeah, and you know expecting to come out unscathed. I mean, of course, you're not expecting a monster to come out of it, but you know, the the it definitely was a damage to his hubris and his ego, and that's why his fall kind of happened. Yeah, I mean, you you think of even Bruce Wayne. I mean, Gotham messed him up a little bit too. You know, all the stuff that he had to experience as being Batman and fighting these organized crimes. You know, it played a toll on him mentally as well. Um, as we'll just probably discuss more about that about how messed up he was in The Dark Knight Rises, but that's for next episode. But you know. Once you enter Gotham City, you're never going to be the same again. <laughs> it's just the way it no, is, man. absolutely not. Yeah. You know, you, and then we had a commissioner, sorry, I'm, I'm moving on here, uh, Commissioner yeah. Gordon. He's the lieutenant now of the special investigations mm-hmm. unit. You know, they're supposed to be hunting down the Batman, but secretly they're working mm. with them. I mean, it's not so much a secret when you have a floodlight on the top of your building with his logo right. on it, but... <laughs> That's like better sponsorship than we could ever give anyone on that podcast For real? on this podcast. So, oh, um, yeah, and and so he he's he's the same. He's the I'd say he's still the heart of this movie. You know, he's he's the most human character in this film. Yes, um, and it's always it's always a pleasure to see when he's in it. You know, he understand as well. There's a lot of pressure on him, right? And especially when the Joker comes into play. You know, he's trying to catch the mob while the Joker at the same time, right? Yeah, and then. Uh, you know, and then also like he has to balance his family and stuff, and we'll we'll get more into that later when the Joker becomes a bigger part of it. But mm. you know, for the most part, 
Gary Oldman always kills it. Oh, for sure. And um, this go again. This goes back to Christopher Nolan's um, his genius and creativity. You know, with the casting, I can't find anyone better to fill the role of Harvey Dent in this series. Um, Heath Ledger, rest in peace, <laughs> in this series, or Michael Caine as Alfred. You know, every single one of these characters pay- played a near perfect portrayal of the ones in the comic books. And yeah. I, out of curiosity, how long um, how long did it take for? Uh, for Batman Begins to be put together, like, you know, the idea of it, and then when it actually came on 05, do you happen to well, know that? Batman, uh, it was like, well, I mentioned last episode, uh, they, they had a Batman Beyond live-action script mm-hmm. that got scrapped and put away, and then I think, I I don't really want to get this wrong here, but I want to say, like, see. 2000, I want to say, like, sometime between 2002 and 2003 is when they started floating the idea around. Mm-hmm. And then they must. I th- I th- I think they got him Christopher Nolan for late 2003, and then they started shooting in 2004 and had the film out by uh, summer of 2005. Okay, the reason why I was asking because I was just curious, like how how long did it take Christopher Nolan to think of the perfect cast for this? And um, you know, well, like I said, it's this this film is 2008, so that's three years. Yeah. Wow. So. Uh, and I like uh, I I saw some behind the scenes stuff and apparently like he he did do things with um he did have like other people in mind mm. but then Heath Ledger came along and apparently just blew him away and so like yeah who would have thought with these surprise casts man like you know you mentioned Brokeback Mountain with Heath Ledger he went from doing that no doing that funky no one. funky thing to being the iconic Joker it's crazy man it's it's insane and yeah. Like I said, he is the Joker God, essentially. Mm, mm, mm. And, you know, it, it makes me yeah. confident, you know, um, with the new Batman movie coming out with uh, Robert Pattinson. You know, people thought, well, this guy's from Twilight. You know, whatever. He ain't going to fill the role. But we'll see. TB, TB, TBD. He, he looks looked, pretty good. He looks great yeah. to me. He looks great I mean, to just me. Uh, the snip of the little uh, trailer with, what, there was only 20% completion when that trailer came out um, last year? And uh, it was great. So um, it just, that helps me to appreciate more that maybe we can't judge these actors too harshly until we see a trailer or some footage. And until then, until we see those footages, then we can be a better judge of it. But like Heath Ledger surprised everybody in a half with his role. I hope Robert Pattinson surprises everybody in a good way as well. He will. I, I bet he will. Yeah. So it just, I like when these directors take time and i mentioned this in the last episode they take time to nurture their project that's their baby you gotta take good care of it you gotta you know make it in a way where everybody can get something out of it and i feel like that's missing in today's movies nowadays i think you know with today's movies um it's all about corporate stuff you know what do the corporates want what do the distributors want rather than making a movie that everyone can enjoy and i think for me personally, I think this is probably like the underlying problem. I think that yeah, you're getting that here is it, it has to fit into, you know, with new movies coming out and stuff, it has to fit into a certain mold, right? Yeah. It has to fit into a, a whole universe. And yeah. it's got, you know, that's like, and it's, it's, I think we're mostly thinking of the MCU here where it's, you know, it's got to fit into their timeline. It's got to mm. make, it's got to build up the next movie, which isn't even a, it's not like a sequel or anything like that. It's a completely different movie, but it's got to set it up and stuff. Whereas with, let's say you know this trilogy or sam raimi spider-man trilogies it was a it was a director an artist vision yes. an artist take on this certain character yes and it didn't have to fit into any mold or anything like that or be a part of a grander universe it was it was just this is how this director imagined this character in his mind in his universe and look how well it and did it's, yeah it's the best Batman, well, actually, not the best Batman movies. The best Batman movies, Mask of the Phantasm, but some of the best Batman movies. Mm-hmm. Spider Man or Batman? Who are we talking about? Oh, for me? I was saying Batman. Oh, okay, I, okay. I, 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 I don't really want to go too off topic. Because you mentioned Sam Raimi. I was thinking Spider Man. That's why I was like, then you said Batman. I wasn't sure. Oh, yeah, no. I was just just further solidifying my point. I'm tired. Anyways, <laughs> that's, pretty, that's a good point, though, you bring out. And, um, you know, you, I, I was thinking, you know, when these when these directors have the freedom of control, like give it to them, 
give them one shot. If they fail, if they strike out, if they strike out, at least have them strike out swinging, but don't give them another opportunity. But you know, these corporates want to get their hands on too many things now, and half the time they don't even know what they're tr they're doing. It just it's, it's sad to see that. I know. It's terrible. I mean, look what Warner Brothers did to the theatrical release of Warner Brothers and that that wonderful director. Bro, bro, <laughs> you just did. You just you need to hear that later, huh? I'm not even gonna, I'm not even gonna tell you what you just said, but go back and listen to the audio later. You don't know what you just said, but it's hilarious. What did I say? I'm not telling you. You gotta go back and listen to the audio. I'm not gonna listen to the audio. I'm, a, I'm just gonna edit and post up. Okay. You said you said you like look what Warner Brothers did to the to the theatrical release of Warner Brothers. Did I cut off? No, you just said you know you repeated yourself. You said look what the theat you you said sorry. You said look what Warner Brothers did to the theatrical release of Warner Brothers. As oh, did I Warner say Brothers that? Just, oh my god! You just made yeah. You just said that Warner Brothers made a movie about themselves. <laughs> that would be a very depressing movie. I meant to say. Ten hours of work. This movie brought to you in part by Warner Brothers. <laughs> ten hours Warner of work, Brothers, Jack. The movie. Cut me some slack. Ten hours of work. Okay, Dude, it's fine. let me start over Hilarious. slowly. Look what Warner Brothers did to the 2017 theatrical release of Justice League. <laughs> don't you mean Warner Brothers? Did I say that? Oh, you know, don't even yeah. start with this. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Stop trolling, troll. Yes. Okay. No, I yeah. I think that's so funny. I didn't even catch that until you said it. <laughs> oh my god! I know. I heard it. and I'm like, I can't let that one slide. I'll let everything else slide with you, but that one is like, that was too good not to capitalize. Well, I'm on. sure when my when our friends hear this, I'm gonna be chill <laughs> later on when this episode's up. So that's yeah. nice. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, let's get on to. So we covered. We got Batman, uh, Harvey Dent, Gordon, um, Rachel. It's just kind of a plot device still in this movie. She's not really a whole lot of a character. She's she's still the same really she's just a she's just a, a vessel to see what bruce's normal life would look like not, not a whole lot of character development goes on with her mm -hmm. so you want to you want to go to joker then let's go to joker I, oh man yeah, this is going to be the, the one we'll probably talk about the most here i from from the moment that the movie kicks off with the bank heist and the robbers killing each other so that they can get a bigger cut and it ends up with just two guys and you know the last guy figures out he's like I bet the Joker just told you you know to kill me, and you know the Joker looks at his watch he goes no 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 I killed a bus driver, <laughs> and the thug is like what, what bus driver and then the bus just backs right through the bank and you know kills him and Jeez. stuff. Yeah, it just and like from from that moment you you see that this Joker is like he's methodical man like this isn't he's not just like a complete psychopath like there is something going on behind that right. And then, you know, he's like, the, the other guy jumps out of the bus and he's like, where's, where's the rest of the guys? And then he just shoots him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no regard for human life, definitely. Um, no. And that, that's what makes him great, though. I mean, well, Joker in general, as a character, and, and even in the comics books, no regard for human life. And, uh, you know, he'll, he'll go through anything and anyone to get what he wants. And mm -hmm. he'll also get the help of individuals, you know, by lying to them and he's such a good liar too <laughs> you know you see the, the movies yeah. how he he worked with different characters in the movie and they fell into his trap you know yeah. and you know like this this movie starts out with like you know you obviously know that joker's gonna be the big bad of the movie but for the characters they just think he's he's a minor inconvenience like they're still trying to battle the mob right and so you know like when they rob the bank like batman's not alarmed at all it's just like him again and so, like, they obviously want to catch him because he is, you know, he's robbing banks, but he, you know, it's not, they're, he's not the biggest deal to them right now. And then, you know, he gets, he goes to the mob and, he, and they have that scene where um, they're, they're talking with uh, the, the guy who's from China. They're basically the mob's accountant. And, um, you know, the Joker walks in and proposes that they kill the Batman. And that that seems probably like where I knew that like holy like when I even as a little kid I'm like this guy's insane like he's oh, so yeah. good you know the where he walks in like you know and he does like his like sarcastic laugh the ha 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 oh ha 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 he's like and I thought my jokes were bad <laughs> so you mentioned um, just a few seconds ago how this Joker is good so in in your observation with Heath Ledger. 
what made him a good Joker, you think? Um, I don't know if it's... Because this movie kind of solidified this theory, and it was his performance alone that really solidified this theory for me, um, that I've had ever since I've watched the Batman animated series and so on and so forth, that the Batman and Joker, it's not a, a villain-superhero sort of, uh, you know, quarrel yeah. or relationship. The Batman and Joker, it's a really messed up love story. It really is. It's it's and I stand by that statement. People always call me out for that because they're like, "Oh man, you're just looking too deep into it." No, it was like the the Joker is not at all like he is. He is not a, a like up until uh, oh, what's their first encounter in this movie again? Uh, like he's he's not at all obsessed with the Batman in this movie up until maybe the second half. Yeah. He just wants to kill him. He wants to make, you know, because he's like, if you're good at something, never do it for free. Right. He's offering to kill the Batman for like half of the mob's money. And the mob lets him do it. But I think after the first night that they meet, which is, I think, Bruce Wayne's party for Harvey Dent, he he falls in love with he fall, he falls in love with Batman. You know, he sees something in Batman that he sees in, in himself, that they were both they are both created by the systems in which they are which Batman is serving and the one that Joker is trying to break. Mm. And so Joker, Joker has this sort of love for Batman where he's trying to make him see it from his point of view, that everyone's just as crazy as he is. And that's what this whole movie's about. It's about order and chaos. They are two sides of the same coin. That's right? well said. Um, and you mentioned it's like a very dark, cruel love story. It really is true if you think about it because... You know, it's not even, not even what was mentioned in the, in the Dark Knight here, but you know, in the animated series, even in the Arkham, Arkham Asylum, what do you call it? Um, Arkham, the Arkham series. Yeah, the Arkham the series, Arkham the series. video games. You know, throughout mm-hmm. their dialogue, you know, Joker talks about how much he needs Batman, how how much he completes Bat, um, you know, how much they complete each other, yeah. and you know, and he even uh, spoiler alert too, but. The post-credit scene um, for Zack Snyder's Justice League—that little dialogue and and the nightmare scene—you know—that's not the same though. But I mean, it, it yeah. Well, they, it's it, like it, um, from. I'd say from the Joker side of this, but like you know, Batman's as much a complicit per- person in that relationship because he he chooses not to kill the Joker, whereas in Zack Snyder's version of Batman, it's like he's gonna kill him. He's like he makes that promise. And so it's a one-sided love relationship there, but like you know, in in every other form of media, it's Batman's not going to kill him because a it breaks his rule, but at the same time, he thinks he can still save Joker. Mm. Yeah, I guess. But yeah, so it just it just shows you then how, you know, those two need each other. They have a dynamic chemistry, so that's what made this movie ever more powerful. But you know, we've seen their encounters in the past and past films, past uh, animated series. But this one did it so perfectly with, you know, yeah. Yeah. Oh, different stuff that is going on in their conversations. And it just puts you at the edge of your seat. Like, you don't want to miss anything when it comes to their dialogue with one another. Like, yeah, like the, I'd say probably the scary scene with him was where um, they're getting ready for the big party for Harvey Dent. And you see him come on camera with like the fake Batman that they had just previously killed, which I love the detail there where um, it's like, you know, I think it was um, the mayor and Harvey Dent were having a conversation about catching the Joker. And then the Joker just swung a body down into the mayor's window. <laughs> that was like, it was like one of the fake Batman with a card pinned to it, a Joker card that said, will the real Batman please stand up? Oh, great dude. Eminem reference. That was hilarious. Yeah, that was awesome. Uh, and then it cuts to Alf, yeah. And then it cuts to Alfred and Bruce uh, watching the his like up leading up to this fake Batman's death, where it's like you see that inner animal, that inner psycho of Joker, where he's like, you know, the guy's not looking at the Joker because he's so afraid. And Joker just goes, "Look at me," <laughs> and it's like it's scary, man. Like, and do you know? Do you know the background of that scene? I was sorry. I was just thinking about the the infamous scene. Look at me. The yeah (laughs) sorry just funny yeah do you so do you know the setup of that scene no do tell where uh so basically what happened was set designers set up that that i guess it was like a butcher room or something like that wherever they were 
and then Heath Ledger came on set, and the fake Batman came on set. Uh, Christopher Nolan gave the camera to Heath Ledger. He gave him like a like a you know old janky camcorder, and he just put those two in a room, and no dialogue was given for either of them. He just let he just like let Heath go nuts. It was impromptu. That oh man, and impromptu was, stuff. You know that all, it works with the right people. Heath Ledger was one of them. Yeah. You know, and remember, you remember the the scene when the hospital blows up. How it legitimately was yeah. a dud, and that was Heath's legitimate reaction. But it just worked yeah. perfectly. Just like the, it was in the moment. No, that the hands up, dude. That was the yeah. best part the of one, it. He's like, well, yeah. bump it. I just, <laughs> oh well. The, the seriously, yeah. dude, that was great. Which again, it's we get to see no one's you know use of practical effects dialed up to eleven here. You know, with his uh, with yeah, blowing up an entire building. And like having Heath Ledger literally walk out of the building, like you know, with while this building blowing up, and yeah, that's the whole that's the best part of the whole scene where it's like everything stops for a second. He just turns around and he's like, "What the heck?" And it and it fits the movie so well because everything that Joker makes in terms of bombs and stuff, it's not some like you know like the tri- the triggers he makes and stuff. They're all like, and they're all like duct taped together or like zip tied together and stuff like that. Like it's really janky and like. You know, it shows that Joker really doesn't care about, you know, the like the the build up to it. It's the punchline yeah. itself. That's 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 that, and, and that's why, you know, you, you look back at, at those scenes and, you know, nine times out of ten, you're going to remember some of those scenes because not only did the impromptu work, but it was it made it even more iconic. Um, I, I'm sure, mm-hmm. you know, until it was later told that people who were seeing that in the first place, didn't know that it was impromptu. They just thought it was just such a stellar performance, yeah. but then they hear interviews later in the years or they have behind-the-scenes content you know, put up later. Like, what? That was impromptu? And then you think, oh, that makes perfect sense. Like, that's, it, that's why it was so good, you know? Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, uh, what was I going to say? Yeah, like the his inter like the interrogation scene with Batman and Joker is like that was probably the most pivotal moment of that of that movie where there it's just two literally two sides of the same coin sitting down at opposite ends of the table and talking to each other. Like I love how it starts out with like he slams his head into the table. He's like, Never start with the head. Like the victim gets all fuzzy. He can't feel the next and then he just pounds his hand and he's like See? And it's and it's perfect, right? Like the you know, Batman's the one conducting that interrogation, but Joker's the one who's in control the entire yeah. time, right? Because, and it's and it's great too because he's he's such a good convincer that he convinces everybody that he doesn't have a plan when really he's in control the entire time. It's something he says to like you know Harvey Dent where he's like, you know, I'm not a planner. He's like, uh, you know. I'm like a dog chasing cars. Like I wouldn't know what to do with one if I caught it. When it's the complete opposite, he he orchestrates Rachel's death so he could manipulate Harvey. He orchestrates the city turning against itself. It's mm. it's all him. Mm-hmm. So you know, I'm I'm sure you know you know that Heath Ledger had a history of health issues, you know, particularly insomnia, things like that. And uh, you know, sad to say, I mean, it worked, but it just sucks at what cost, you know. That he used that to his advantage when playing yeah. the role as Joker, because um, I was reading that he only averaged two to three hours of sleep, you know, for sometimes for weeks on end when filming even two, and you know that's not good health wise. But when you portray a role as Joker, yeah, that makes a lot of sense why you know he would do that. Well, didn't he? Didn't he lock himself in a hotel room to get ready for this yeah. role just on his own? He was isolating himself, so he could man. just go and just, sing. And, yeah. Uh, like, which works, but at the same time, like, that's just... And, I mean, every person who's done Joker has gone crazy because, you know, to be someone who's that <laughs> twisted or demented, you have to go yeah. You have to go down into that place, yeah. right? And so, I, and, you know, it's, it's sad that it takes that much to get such a perfect role like that. Like, no human should have to subject themselves mm. to that. But, you but know, uh, it, yeah, it's, does, does the ends really justify yeah. the means there? But on a positive note, though, um, even though he did have to sacrifice a lot of his own health, I guess you can say, to portray a near-perfect Raw's Joker. But what's cool about his his involvement to, uh, with the character was um, he was involved with the makeup and also the prop choices that were used in the movie. 
which was pretty neat. Yeah. Yeah, he did his own makeup. Yeah, and it was awesome, dude. Like, you know, it's nice to see actors really, you know, really go above and beyond for their characters. And I'm not I'm not saying you have to not sleep for weeks on end to come, you know, fulfill a role. But, you know, the point is, though, if you want to be good at being a certain character or portray a character well, you know, you got to really study the character, understand where that character is coming from, be the character, you know? And I liked how yeah. Heath Ledger really appreciated having that role as Joker because he was very involved with it. Uh, not many actors are like that, you know, with their characters per se. Oh. But he was one of he was one of them. He's in the top of the totem pole for that one. Yep. For sure. For sure. And, I mean, he dominated every scene oh, that dude. he was in. Like, it's... He was, yeah, like, he, he had that same on-screen presence that Michael Caine or Morgan Freeman has, like, in, in these movies. It's just, like, anytime they come on screen, your eyes are just, you're just immediately, <laughs> like, locked in, and you're just focused. And, yeah, I, I'd say probably, like, the, and like I said, I think, like I said, Nolan improved everything, like, his fight scenes. Like, we had an entire three scenes dedicated to Batman, you know. This was really cool because it showed Batman's prowess and, like, combat and his ability for, like, situational awareness and, you know, prioritizing certain threats. Like, you know, the whole, like, abandoned building fight. Like, he had to basically, he had to bite, he had to fight three SWAT teams on top of doctors that were disguised as, uh, as, or, I'm sorry, doctors that were disguised as goons and then the goons (laughs) disguised as doctors. So he has to prioritize which is which. You know, all while having to beat the crap out of them at the same time and get the civilians out of harm's way, and it was just so cool oh, to dude, see. Oh, dude, definitely, man. Um, what 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 were your thoughts about the the famous interrogation scene between um, Batman and Joker? It was near perfection. Uh, like I said, it it further solidified their you know really messed up love relationship. Even he said he's like, you know, you know. Batman asks, like, why do you want to kill me? And, you know, the Joker's like, I don't, I don't want to kill you. And he's like, why would I want to kill you? He's like, no, no, you complete me. Yeah. Like, and without the, like, the Joker has meaning now. Like, the Joker, he, he found, like, a sense of purpose. It is to break the bat, to show the Batman that he is not above, you know, the, he's not above the Joker. He's he's just that same amount of insane, but he just hides it differently. He doesn't hide it behind clown makeup. He hides it behind a mask. Yeah. yeah it, it's. I mean, no matter how, no matter you know how good any upcoming Batman movies will be, or any portrayal of Joker's will be, um, Heath Ledger will always be. You know, he's uh, what what's the word um. He set the standard, I should say, you know, oh, yeah. on fulfilling a role to an extent. You know, like I said before, yeah. don't sacrifice sleep. Don't do drugs, kids. But, you know, if you're given a project that you really enjoy, then you got to take good care of it. And you got to do your best and hit, hit all those right spots because it's, it's going to show. And it sure did with Joker um, yeah. under Heath Ledger's uh, use of him. Yeah. And it's and he he basically prophesied, you know, um, the Dark Knight Rises. I mean, they the, they the citizens like when Bane, you know, he locked down the city, the citizens turned on each other. They they turned into animals. They like they ate each other. Right. Yeah. And they. Yeah. And it was it just showed. Yeah. Like, you know, and he's like, see, I'm not a monster. He's like, I'm just ahead of the curve. And that's <laughs> the part where we really set Batman off and. Yeah, like, and Heath Ledger actually got punched in that scene. Oh, like, really? When, oh, like, shoot. Yeah, like, when, yeah, he went up and told Christian Bale, like, hey, when, like, you're supposed to, like, grab me and, like, get physical with me, he's, <laughs> oh like, I, he's like, yeah, he's like, I really want you to slam my head into the mirror, into the two, into the one-way mirror. He probably didn't feel much anyway. He's a two hours of sleep. <laughs> no, like, yeah, and, like, so he legitimately got punched, and he, like, and what's scarier than, like, you know, the guy you're beating down on? laughs harder and harder with every punch right like that is that is scary oh i didn't really and think even the about batman's that. thing back what the heck yeah like he punches him once and he's like where are they and then he's like you know he's like who are you gonna save like harvey dent or his or rachel and he punches him again and he starts laughing harder punches him again and it looks like he's about to go into the fourth punch but it's like he's just laughing so hard and batman's just kind of taken back for a second 
And that's when Joker turns around and is like, you can't threaten me with anything. Because it's true. Like, Joker will take all the punches in the world, right? Like, that's not, he doesn't, he doesn't like, that doesn't scare him. Batman doesn't scare him. Mm. And so. That's crazy. Yeah. It, I was just thinking about it, yeah. you know, as you were saying it, you know, being in Christian Bale's shoes, punching your co <laughs> your co-star in the face repeatedly, like, you know how he said before the fourth punch, you kind of step back a little bit. That's probably Christian yeah, Bale, like, like, holy crap, dude. Like, this guy is legitimately crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Get me out of here, Christopher. Oh, yeah. Oh, they, yeah, they probably had a, they probably cut, and he just looked at Christopher Nolan. I was like, what the hell, man? Like, <laughs> I don't get painted up for this crap, okay. man. Yeah. And, yeah. And uh, what else was I going to say there? Yeah. Uh, dang. I just, it, everything's going through my head right now. It's just yeah. so good. I mean, this this episode should, should just be called The Joker featuring the rest of the Dark Knight cast <laughs> because really, then... You know, I think I'm going to tie to that. I'm going to tie that for this episode. Uh, you know Perfect. What? They, Perfect. So there you go. And then people are like, yeah. people are, you know, reading the title before they play this episode and they come to the 46 um, minute mark right here right now. They're like, oh, that's why he's entitled that. <laughs> Thank you, Jack. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense, yeah. And... um I honestly, like, I honestly thought, like, you know, that last line where, like, you know, uh, or that last moment where, like, you know, um, Batman uses his like arm gauntlets, oh, little, yeah. uh, the little, the the spiky thing, or one of the, like, I guess the, I guess they're called like fins or something like that that shoot out, and you know, they they disorient Joker when he was on top of Batman and he chucks mm. him off the ledge, and he thinks he, he he thinks he's done it. He's like he made Batman break his one <laughs> rule, right? Which is, and then you know. And he's like laughing the whole way down because he's like, he did it. He doesn't care if he's going to die. He accomplished what he meant to accomplish. And then you see um, Batman shoot his grappling line down and catch him. And then the Joker's just immediately disappointed. He's like, ah. Mm. <laughs> like he grunts and stuff. And while. Yeah. Yeah. That was awesome. And and when he gets to the top. Yeah. And when he gets to the top, he's like, you just couldn't let me go. Could you? And it's true. Batman can't let, can't let the Joker go. He, I like, I do not think Batman is capable of killing the Joker. At least the real Batman isn't he? He's not capable of it because he he's right that he's not that different yeah. from the Joker, and it was great. And even the Joker says he was like, "I think we're destined to do this forever, you and I." And then you know he he starts talking about how he corrupted Harvey Dent and stuff yeah. like that. And you know by the end of the movie, I guess it's true he did make Batman. You know he may have not been the direct cause of Batman breaking his rule, but he did cause Batman breaking his rule by having to you know throw harvey dent off the ledge right yeah which that which that was another oh, great in the, scene, right? in the hospital probably the uh, three when, bad which one not not in the hospital um when so when after oh, dent kidnaps yeah. gordon's family and then you know like he's about to shoot them and then batman just appears out of nowhere he's like you don't want to <laughs> hurt the boy harvey yeah. and it's just he like that's the perfect batman interest he just gets there and he, the you shadows. don't know how but he just gets there and he's just standing there yeah and they play the game of, you know, he flips the coin and he shoots Batman. And you think Batman's done for. And then, you know, he flips the coin up again to shoot the, the little boy, uh, Jim Gordon's son that he has on his arm. And Batman just tackles him off the ledge. And, you know, he he kills Harvey Dent. He kills Gotham's chance yeah. of being safe. And what, what I appreciated about this uh, movie, uh, especially, and we, we can use this as a means to wrap up for this episode, but, you know, um, five different categories yeah. um, that I listed here for rating the movie is casting, plot, screenwriting, visual effects, and the film score. Casting, you know, was nice. I, I give it a, a 10 out of 10, solid 10 out of 10. Screenwriting, you know, at the character portrayal, every character in this movie was utilized nicely. Uh, with the exception of Rachel, but Rachel, as you said, was a plot device. I don't call it. We're not. She's not yeah. a character. She's <laughs> a, a plot device. device. Like, but sorry, no disrespect for to uh, the two actresses that portrayed her because uh, the original actress didn't want to come back to portray yeah. her. Um, so Maggie Gyllenhaal came in, and Maggie Gyllenhaal is great. But yeah, like no disrespect to those people because mm. they they did they worked with what they yeah. had and they did okay for what they had, but it just they just weren't good characters. Yeah. So, you know, Harvey, Gordon, uh, of course, Bruce Wayne, Joker, uh, Alfred, all of them were nicely portrayed. 10 out of 10. Screenwriting, um, I mentioned that. So visual effects, all the effects that we've seen, uh, the fight scenes, action, all that, that makes the visuals, that's eye-catching, 10 out of 10. Film score, 
I'll give that a nine out of ten. I gotta. I can't give everything a ten. Really? Okay, it's still ninety oh, percent, man. It's still an A plus. Come on, man. Uh-huh. I thought you were gonna wrap it up with a perfect ten there, man. You know what? Bump right. it. You know, it's Friday, bro. We'll give it a 10 out of 10. Yeah, you, that's right. That's you know, right. You know, like the, the, the old-fashioned diving contest when the people play, the judges pull up yeah. the cards, 10, yeah. 10, 10. Well, that movie yeah. was 10, 10, 10, 10, 10. This, this is Solid all 10. Yeah. What about you, Jack? What is your what is your ratings out of 10 with those five different criterias? Uh, okay, so read me it again, just so I don't it's get it wrong. It's casting, uh, screenwriting, uh, plot, visual effects, and film score. Okay, um, so we're gonna go casting first. Casting like twelve out of ten, perfect, <laughs> nice, Just amazing. Everyone fit their role so well, and they utilized their role to their full potential. I don't think there's one bad character in this movie, except for Rachel, but she's a plot device. Um, screenwriting and script is another ten out of ten. Like, gosh, the dialogue in this, and it's it's the Christopher Nolan fashion of. Um, it's really ham-fisted sometimes, and there's a lot of ide- like, ideolo- like ideology spewed out from characters, but Christopher Nolan's great at writing that kind of stuff and making it seem natural, so that's going to get a 10 out of 10 because not many people can do that. Uh, what, visual effects was the next one, and stunt work, I guess? Um, yeah, so pretty much all that action, the effects, the oh, settings, everything. Yeah, I mean, Christopher Nolan's, his fight, like while they were easier to follow, I mean, his his Batman did fight a little weird sometimes, like, um, even though they were longer cuts. So I'm going to give that one an, I'm going to give that one a nine. Um, but everything else was like, I'm going to give that a nine. Um, just, just for that. Um, but like the visual effects, like the, how he's actually practically blowing up buildings and letting, yeah. doing all that kind of stuff. And like, he actually driving buses through buildings and stuff. It's like, that's it's crazy. That's man. awesome, man. Yeah. Like that's uh, props to filmmakers who still do that and not just go to green screen land. Uh, what was next? Uh, let's see here. So we got the casting. So I've done. The screen, did you do did you screenwriting already? I did screenwriting. Okay, and so you did visual, did visual effects, effects right now. Don't work. Uh, next will be uh, the plot. Uh, the plot. That's that's going to be a ten out of ten too. There, Chuck. That's we pretty much explained the, the plot. That <laughs> was so good. Yeah, it's the it's the best plot of of the Batman trilogy. I think so. so. It's, Definitely. Yeah, it's ten out of ten. And last but not least, film score. So you mentioned it. You mentioned the offset of this episode. Film, the music. Film score. I think it's yeah. It's it. Hans Zimmer's so great. Like the. Um, I think yeah. I think this is a ten out of ten, as well. Awesome. So yeah, we both rated this a perfect ten out of ten overall. And um, best movie of the Dark Knight. Trilogy. I agree. I agree. Best movie. Well, that that's gonna wrap it up then, folks. Uh, we thank you for listening to us when it came to. Uh, this um, complete breakdown and complete review of The Dark Knight featuring Heath Ledger's Joker. Or I should say, Heath Ledger's uh, featuring <laughs> the Dark Knight characters. The Dark Knight cast. Yeah. <laughs> Great, man. Well, any, any um, parting words of wisdom to close this episode, Jack? Uh, from the man himself, Heath Ledger, as he was pulling the dead corpse out of the driver's seat of a semi-truck. Uh, excuse me, I want to drive now. <laughs> That's great. All right, and ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and people of all ages, as always, thanks for joining us here at the Nerdology Podcast.